Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship. This is Phil Haugen coming to you from the bunkhouse. A couple things I want to talk about, a couple private clinics that we had, had one group of three here this last weekend, and then Monday I flew to Phoenix. I had a private clinic there for two days and and then flew back, and so it's been a it's been a really good week, it's been kind of a busy week, but it's been, you know, anytime I get to work with those caliber of people, it's just a, uh, you know, it's just a joy and a blessing. I tell you, I, I talk about it all the time, but, you know, the people in this industry are such hard workers. And uh, I'll give you an example. You know, I'll, first of all, I'll talk about the clinic here this last weekend. You know, we have uh, Preston and Alyssa and Jessica and uh, Preston Kafka is married to one of our dear friends. I've known her since she was just a little bitty girl, Bailey Ray. And uh, Preston runs the cow herd for Frontier Rodeo and really a great, great human being, but good cowboy. And at the same time, you know, here here's a guy that's... Uh, got a good job, got a good career, and, and he's trying to get better. And the whole time he was here, they were calving heifers, and Bailey Ray was Bailey Ray was calving while he was here, and, you know, he had to be on the phone helping her some, guide her a little bit, and he, you know, I was thinking about that, and, and of course, she's, she's very capable, or he wouldn't have been able to leave, but, you know, they've got all that going on, and, and he's still taking the time to come here and spend two days to progress his horsemanship because he gets the opportunity to ride a lot and he's he's always training a horse and the ranch has some horses that he rides and trains and you know for a period of time and it goes back to you know that simple concept as long as you're willing to learn and you're willing to work you'll continue to get better and that's something we talked a lot about at both clinics is being willing to learn and willing to work. You know, as long as you have those two things, you're going to continue to progress. And, you know, just like, uh, you know, Jessica is working on training her horses and riding customer horses. And that's her dream and passion. And she'll get there. She'll get there. There's no doubt. She had a great work ethic big change in her and her horse over two days. Alyssa, you know, same thing with Alyssa. Alyssa has her own business. She had a one-year-old. Her parents actually came with her to the clinic so that they could take care of the baby. And so she could ride for two days. You know, a tremendous commitment to getting better. I mean, you know, when you have that kind of commitment to getting better, you're going to get better. You know, and that's how people in this industry are. You know, there were there were three in that private group, and it was uh, 
a really, really enjoyable two days. We got to work on a lot of, a lot of different fundamentals with the small group. We got through a lot of it, you know, in a, in a short amount of time, you know, you just cover, you can cover a lot out there in Arizona at Wickenburg. I was at Bobby Brooks's Bobby had me come out and her and Dane Livingston and, and one of their employees, Kylie and, and Bobby's mom rode with us and, you know, kind of the same thing. They're, they're really busy. Bobby and Dane are real busy. Kylie's busy. Bobby's mom, Orla May, she's retired, but uh, she still rides and, and rides really good. They made a commitment of time and resources to have me come out. We spent two days riding and we went through a ton of foundation horsemanship principles. And these, this is a very, very advanced group of riders and competitors. And the biggest thing with competing at a high level is understanding the importance of slowing down and reinforcing that foundation. And understanding that each day when we start, we need to reinforce those foundation principles and to start out with, do it at a speed where you can not only reinforce, but continue to, to develop those triggers that bring that horse back to the thinking side of their brain. And I see this all the time at every clinic that as soon as certain horses and certain trainers get back to that immediately in the first day you'll see a change in their horse and the only reason you see that change is because you've reestablished that trigger to where they come back to that thinking side of their brain for years I was establishing some triggers, but I didn't completely understand the value of them. And I didn't completely understand being able to recognize when I had to have one, when I didn't, you know, understanding the importance of being able to flip that switch in that horse's brain from the reacting side back to the thinking side. And I talk about this all the time. It's, you know, it's pretty easy to get a horse using the reactive side of their brain. Just do something that causes a little uncertainty or a little anxiety and you'll have your horse reactive. You know, at one point, the second day, uh, this was a statement that really, really, you know, kind of was a light bulb moment for me when Bobby said, now, from what we've worked on, how do you apply that to the pattern? And this was the barrel pattern. And, and here's the thing with the barrel racing. And anybody that knows me knows that uh, I don't claim to be a barrel racer. I never have been a competitive barrel racer. But I do know how to control speed and direction. And I do know how to create triggers with a horse to bring them back from the reacting side to the thinking side of their brain. And so when we were, when I was showing her how my foundation exercises applies 
to the pattern because I always talk about whether it's in the roping, the barrel racing, whatever performance event, think about what you need to be able to do when you're putting the maximum amount of pressure on that horse or you're asking for the maximum amount of effort. Always think about what in that situation, what, what tools do I need to be successful and then work backwards, meaning then work backwards to where, okay, when I'm working on foundation exercises, how can this exercise benefit me when I'm going 35 mile an hour? Because it makes no sense to me to work on something at a slow speed that doesn't benefit you at a fast speed or to work on something in a certain way at a slow speed and then then ask in a different way at a at a fast speed or at a high speed see that that just doesn't in it and i promise you it doesn't make any sense to the horse so however you are at zero miles an hour with your hand position your body position your feel your timing your balance to me you need to be the same way at 35 miles an hour or you're sending a completely different signal and if you're sending a completely different signal that horse is not going to recognize it and instead of instead of having a trigger that brings that horse back to the thinking side of their brain so that they can find the response you're asking for you create a situation where you create that what i call a surprise party surprise parties cause anxiety anxiety causes a reactive response and off you go your horse's head up head is up their back's hollowed out they're they're stiff they're front end loaded well if you're going into a stop and turn that's not how you want your horse's body position so when we were talking about that and i was going through my foundation exercises i was just showing them how by doing them in a certain way at slower speeds how that carries over at a high rate of speed and how everything I do is very, very similar, very similar. I mean, I try to be exactly the same. And if I can't do it at a high speed in a certain way, I need to practice at a slower speed in the same way that I'm gonna be, have to do it at a high speed because otherwise, how does your horse know? How in the world is your horse going to know what you're asking? Because we've all figured out they're not mind readers. Now they will read your body. They will read your body and they will read your feel. And they will read that signal before the signal. I always talk about that. That, that signal before the signal is everything. You know, and so when we were going through that, we were working on... And I was showing them on the pattern, which I don't work on the pattern a whole lot. I work on drills a whole bunch. But I don't work on the pattern a whole lot because everybody that rides behind me has their own way of doing things. And, and, and you know, I kind of want them to start, be able to start with a fresh canvas. And... I want them to be, but I want those horses to be looking 
for that signal before the signal and understanding to be looking for a response, not, not waiting to be reactive. And so, but in this case, I was on the pattern and I was showing them how the simple level one exercises relate the same when I'm in at a high rate of speed and with hand position, body position, you know, my feel, my timing, my balance, I try to stay really, really consistent. Now, like I was telling them, you know, consistency is, is something we work on constantly, but there are, we're not always going to be as consistent some days as others. I mean, you're, you know, we're, we're, we're human beings. We're not robots. You know, our horses are never going to be a programmed computer and we're never going to be a robot. Now I strive to almost be robotic, but I'll be the first to admit this morning when I step out there and start working horses, if I'm not focused on what I'm doing and I'm not focused on hand position, body position, you know, those three things that I always talk about, what exactly is the response I'm asking for? What's the specific response I'm asking for? How can I ask in a way that my horse understands? And where's the release? If I'm not focused and aware of those three things, I'm going to be sending vague signals because I'm, I know myself well enough. And this holds true with a lot of us. And, and in both clinics, both of these small private clinics, we talked about this a lot. We're all very, very motivated, goal driven. We have a lot, we're very busy people. And, you know, just like I was telling my wife this morning, you know, I know that there's times when I could even be busier, but there's got to be times where you kind of rest and reload and reset as well. And, you know, we're very motivated and very driven, but at the same time, we got to be smart enough to slow down and be clear with our communication. And, and I hope, I really hope that's one of the big things that the trainers I get to work with, I hope that's what they come away with when they leave one of my clinics, whether it be public or private, because that's what I had to learn. There, there were definitely times in my training where I was way ahead of my horses all day long, and I probably did more harm than good. And like everybody that listens, you know, everybody knows this about me. I wasn't born with any special skills. I wasn't born with some quirky, you know, connection to horses by no means. I mean, at, at one point I had a horrible connection with horses, but you know, everything I share with you is, is things I've learned through the years of experience, things I've learned through the school of hard knocks, things I've learned through failures. And, you know, and, and, and my hope is that you can benefit from it. And, and I really think you can. And that, that just goes back to, you know, that goes back to 
what I talked about at the start of this podcast and what I talked about with both of these groups. It's all about willing to learn and willing to work. I tell every group of trainers that I'll be honest with you, and I don't want this to sound cocky at all because I'm, I'm not cocky, but there's no doubt in my mind I can help you to help your horse, you and your horse, reach your potential, whatever that potential is. Now, I can't, I can't overcome genetics. I can't overcome your horse can only run as fast as they can run. Your horse is only a, you know, only as athletic as they are, you know, but there's no doubt in my mind, I can help you reach your potential and help your horse reach their potential. But to help you both reach your potential, there's no doubt in my mind, I can do that. But like I tell everybody, I, I can't do the work for you. I mean, it used to be everybody, and I, and I did this for years, I rode every horse at every clinic. And I, and I think there was some benefit in that, you know, probably. I mean, I think at the same time, sometimes I was making it frustrating for the trainers and because I might be able to get on and do something they were struggling with. So then it, it, I think it was almost demoralizing sometimes for them or frustrating for them, you know. But at the same time, I, I've quit doing that because we all got to do it. We got to make up our mind. We're going to do it and we're going to get it done. You know, and if, if like with your horse, you know, there's a chink in your armor, meaning there's a weakness that we need to work on that you need to figure out. Here's the thing. You need to figure it out. We need to go do whatever we got to do to figure it out. It's the same thing with me. I mean, if I've got a horse that's really struggling and I've got one right now that kind of is. I've got to be better. I've got to figure out what part of my foundation program I've got to be better at communicating so that that horse gains some confidence through consistency, through my consistency, and understands the responses I'm asking for. And, and I need to build that horse's confidence instead of instead of keeping on doing the same thing and then having that horse start to lose confidence or associate everything I do with, with anxiety. And, and that is such a huge deal. It's such a huge deal for all of us. You know, I, I, I've thought a lot about, I always like to give myself three or four days before I do a podcast after a clinic. And in this case, I basically had two, right in a row. I had one travel day where I was flying out to Phoenix and then went to Wickenburg. I always think back on the clinics and the, I always think back on the challenges. I think back on the progressions and, you know, I'm dealing with people that are trying really, really hard. And sometimes the trying really, really hard is what's holding you back. Sometimes the letting up and slowing down. The morning of the second day of every clinic, we have a roundtable discussion and I just would go around and if anybody has a question, a comment, or they had a light bulb moment, we, we talk about it. 
and I know Dane, who's who's a real talented horseman, a lot of experience. That was one of the comments he made. He said, you know, I, do, I need to slow down. I need to slow myself down and, and, and let my horse find the answer and give myself time to provide the release so that my horse knows there's a release. Something as simple as that, what it will do is by slowing down, it will speed up your progression considerably. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean that I don't ever put the heat on a horse and push them out of their comfort zone and find out find out where we're at because I do that. In fact, I, I do that almost daily. But I do that at a time where I've set that horse up for success as well. I've, I've worked on reinforcing those foundation principles. I've worked on reinforcing those triggers to bring that horse back to the thinking side of their brain and find that nice, soft response. And all day, your whole training process, during the training process, it's almost like there's somebody standing over there and and randomly flipping the switch on off light switch on off on off on off and then it might be off for a while and then on for a while off for a while that's how your horse's thought process goes thinking reacting reacting thinking you know during that process it is so important that you develop those triggers to where you can control that when you need to, because I've always talked about this. When when I have a horse being reactive, and, and I know this for a fact because I've been doing this for a long time, and when a horse is being reactive, until I can get that horse back using the thinking side of their brain, I can't train them. I can't. I can't progress them in their training. Now, once you once you get to where you can do that, what happens is the training process progresses so much more consistently and so much more smoothly. You know, it's like my dad told me a few years ago when he was here, you know, and I was telling him, I enjoy what I'm doing now more than ever. And he said, it's because you get twice as much work done with half the effort, you know, and that's, it's really, really true, you know, but the whole key to that was understanding how important it was to slow down and help my horse use the thinking side of their brain to find the response because until they're using the thinking side of their brain, they're not going to find that soft, willing response. Now, you can get a response while a horse is reactive, but it's usually very stiff, very resistant, and not the response you're looking for. And let's face it, you know, 1,200-pound horse, 1,100-pound horse running 30, 35 mile an hour, if that horse isn't looking for that soft, doesn't understand, I guess I should say, the soft, willing response that you're looking for, 
you know, at best, you're just going to be in the middle of a big tug of war. Right. And, and, you know, which brings me to understanding how important collection is lateral and vertical softness. Collection is everything. Everybody listening to this, and I'm not going to say everybody, but I guarantee you probably 99.5% of us need to continue to improve collection. I mean, collection cannot be too good. You know, lateral and vertical softness. And, and I used to, you know, I used to work on, I was always good about working on those two individually, but now I work on them together too. Like I got, now I do a lateral bending exercise that where a horse has to soften laterally and pick their rib cage up. And I'll tell you what, you just can't do that exercise too much. You, you just cannot, you cannot have that horse too soft in that rib cage. You cannot have that horse you know, to where when you pick up on that bridle rein and their head comes down and back, you know, when you're when you're negotiating any kind of a turn, that that buttery soft feel in their rib cage, that that for me that's everything. And in the performance events that the horses I ride compete in, and and you know that's mainly the barrel racing and, and the rope and. But at the same time, you know, I, I, very important in those events, but I look at the, I look even in the cow horse in the reining, you know, those horses are so good in the rib cage. And, and, you know, we talked about this a lot to the, you know, to the barrel racers and, and to the ropers, but in the, in the barrel racing, you just can't have that rib cage too soft. I mean, you, you've got to have that softness in that rib cage. Because that's that's what connects the shoulders and the hindquarters, you know, and you just you just have to have that. So, you know, those are just a few things I wanted to talk about this week. I just I want to send a shout out to to those at those at those last two private clinics, Preston, Jessica, Alyssa, you know, Bobby and Dane, Kylie, Orla May. I want to thank them for their time, their hospitality. Um, it was just, uh, just a wonderful experience out there at Wickenburg. And, you know, I love Arizona in the fall, winter and spring and, uh, you know, and, and to the, to the group that came to the house here and spent a couple days, I appreciate their time. And I appreciate all you listeners. I appreciate all the feedback too. We get a lot of feedback of how things, something that we've talked about has helped. And that, that's my main goal with this that it helps others so have a have a great week of training have a blessed week of training today and every day always always strive to be your best hey everybody today's episode of be your best horsemanship is brought to you by our awesome sponsors classic equine martin saddlery cinch Arena, Healthy Coat, Silver Lining Herbs, Star Bar, Clarify, and Better Horses. 
These brands have been a part of our program for many years and their products continue to play a very important role in the success of our performance horse training program. To support these brands, please head over to philhaugenhorsemanship.com and click on our sponsors tab.